Welcome to the Laura Creates Courses weekly podcast. I'm Laura Coulter, and I'm here to share with you insights and stories to help you develop your own effective online course. Each episode includes something for you to do and a way to interact with a community of people just like you. You can find the show notes for this and other podcast episodes at lauracreatescourses.com slash podcast slash EP and the episode number. In episode six, we take a look at student blogging in an online course and how it can be used to build community, allow for reflection, and explain concepts. Welcome. We've been talking about learning activities and today's learning activity focus is going to be all about blogs. So um, how do we use blogs effectively in an online course? First, let's define what blogs are. So a blog is a written online post and it's usually all on one page and the most recent post is at the top and it keeps pushing the others down. So let's talk about how um, we might use these in an online course. Blogs can serve as a journal, as a way to educate others, and it can also serve as a way to entertain. Blogs allow for reflection and a place to explain things and a place to build community. So you can use them a number of ways. One of the most important things about using blogs in an online course is that you need to be consistent. It's going to take students a while to understand how to use a blog properly. Um, so you need to start early and you need to continually use it. Just having a blog once is not effective. If you're going to do that, don't even bother. This has to be something that they build on. So choosing blog as a learning activity for your online course is a commitment. You are going to build some things around blogs. Now, um, in the previous three episodes, we talked about discussion boards as an option um, for building community. Blogs are another way of doing that. And this is if you, if your learning management system does not have an option for discussion boards, then blogs are your go-to. And um, a lot of the things that we applied in the discussion board series could also work with blogs. So if you're interested in learning more about that, if you think blogs might be something for you, definitely check out the discussion board episodes. I'll link them in the show notes. But um, I also think that blogs themselves can be used in addition to, if you'd like, or just as instead of. So one of the ways to use blog posts is to have students do their assignment via a blog post and submit the link to you. So what they're doing there is they're collecting their own work and they're submitting the link to you, but it's, it's also visible to the world. I have found that when students know they have a public audience, they write differently than when they're writing just for the instructor. Keep that in mind, it does make a difference. So types of assignments you can do. You could have students journal, and this journal can serve as a chronicle of their learning throughout your course. And it's really interesting to go back and read the older posts to see how far they've come. 
Another way you can use blog posts is to be strategic about what you have them post in the blog itself, because perhaps you want them to build a portfolio. And so certain assignments will be put in the blog where other assignments will be turned in a different way. And by the time that they are done with your course, they will have a small portfolio in the blog to be able to share. So that's one way to create something and to build in that need for adults to create something that means something to them, something they need and can immediately put to practical use. You can ask students to reflect on something. Say um, you had them watch a video and you want them to write a reflection on what they got out of that video. Or perhaps you've posted a quote like we did on the discussion board and you want them to reflect on how this quote applies to them and their learning and their current needs. So reflection is huge. It really turns the student back inward and gives them the opportunity to kind of comb through their thinking. We don't get that opportunity very often. We've got so many things coming to us left and right that we don't ever take time to stop and think and reflect and look backwards and learn from that. So building something like that into your course really gives the students something they need, but don't always give themselves. Another interesting way I've seen blog posts used, and I thought this was pretty effective, is that you can have students create an action plan for something and post the action plan as a blog post and that way you can get feed, you can give feedback and the community can give feedback and we'll talk more about that part in just a minute but giving and creating an action plan is one of those things that adults need they need to know that they're getting somewhere and if they need to plan out the steps for what they're going to do next and then publicly show those steps and it kind of is, holds people more accountable. They think, oh, it's, it's out there, I've gotta do it. So that's a really good way to use blogs. Again, blogs are public, the audience is authentic, real people are out there looking at it, not just your classmates, not just your teacher. So that really makes a difference. Another way you could use blog posts is you can ask your students to interview someone. And um, if they interview via video or via audio, they can upload the media and link it into their blog or embed it in their blog, or they can transcribe the interview and put it in the blog. So that's another way you can use blogs. And another really good way to do it is to have students explain a concept. Now, I know that in coding, in, when people are learning to code or they're working on their coding and they're trying to work out something in their head and it's really complicated, it's good to have someone else to bounce what you're thinking off of. But that's not always possible. People might not all be working in the same programming language that you're working in. Or, you know, it could be in any topic. You could be the only person in your immediate circle who works on social media management. And who are you gonna to talk to about this, this idea you have, this concept and how to iron things out? So sometimes it helps to explain things to others because it gives you an opportunity, again, to comb out your thinking. 
and to see errors in your thinking. Do you want a way to choose effective learning activities at your fingertips? Download my free ebook, Online Course Creation Made Easy, 25 Activities to Engage Your Online Learner at lauracreatescourses.com. It's designed to help you choose the right learning activity to meet your goal. That's lauracreatescourses.com. So in coding, programmers are encouraged to keep a rubber duck by their desk. If there's no one else to talk to, you explain to the rubber duck exactly what you're thinking. Often the process of hearing your explanation is enough to help you see your errors or to help you comb it out. Again, another form of reflection. But explaining a concept to someone else, this is why study groups are so effective. If you're sitting around a table and somebody asks a question or you understand the right, the right way to do something, you explain it to them, they understand it, or they catch the error in your thinking. You may have thought you knew it right, but um, your small group members have said, hey, wait a minute, I don't think you thought about this part. Um, that's not quite how, how I see it. And so explaining a concept to someone else is super valuable because you get the feedback from the people or you can hear yourself and kind of think about that and see your own obvious errors. So in a synchronous class, a class that moves along all at the same time, blogs can really be a way of, in, of creating community. One of the ways I recommend is to break your class into small groups of say four or five people. And those groups are required to read and comment on their group members' blog posts. This guarantees that everybody has an audience and everybody gets some sort of feedback. Now they can certainly read and comment people for, on people's blogs outside of their circle, but they're required to definitely comment and interact with their own group. And so this helps everybody get a sense of community and everybody gets some feedback. In an asynchronous class, a class that's self-paced, this is quite a bit harder. And I would recommend, or what I would do is I would collect blog posts along the way. I would collect blog links and um, post them in a place where every upcoming new student can go back and read what other students wrote and can comment on them if, um, if you make that part of the assignment. I am not a huge fan of requiring people to post things um, because often they just post agreed as um, just to get the assignment out of the way. So I do believe a lot in making it optional, but also making it engaging so that students want to do it. But having those other blog posts available for other students, for new students to read, is a form of connecting. They don't feel so isolated because other students have worked in this course in the past, and so they feel a sense of community. It might just be a shadow of it, but it's more than they had and they're not so alone. Taking an online course is very isolating, or it, it feels very isolating. You're alone in your room, in your house, taking the course, and you don't have any classmates to talk to. 
And so you want to kind of address those things as much as possible. So even a shadow of community helps with that. You could also give your students the option to vlog. Vlogging is video blogging, and it's a lot like this episode that you're listening to, or if you're watching on video, it could be something like this. I've participated in courses where we've had to record our answer and post it to the group. And it was really neat seeing each other's faces and hearing each other's voices. That again, reduces the sense of isolation. And we'll spend some time on video in a later episode, but you could create um, your blogging. It could be vlogging instead. And this is particularly effective if your course leads to some sort of camera work. So for example, if they're learning how to work cameras, definitely blogging is the way, vlogging is the way to go. If they are learning how to create their own YouTube channel, well then obviously you want them to practice that. And so vlogging is a good way to do that. But again, you're doing the reflection, you're doing the explanation, you're actually doing the practice and the work of the course within this framework. Okay, now it's your turn. I want you to brainstorm as many possible blog activities as you can think of. It doesn't have to be just the ones I listed here. If you've seen some cool stuff, add that to your list. If you have some imaginative ideas, add that to your list. You're not gonna use them all, but the more you brainstorm, the more ideas you get. And you might stumble upon some really good ones that way. Then I want you to go to the comments section of the video. If you're listening to this in a podcast, I have linked the video in the show notes because I want you to participate too. In the comments section, post two of your brainstormed blog activities and why you might use those two. I'd love to see your ideas and comment back. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let me know by giving it a rating and sharing a screenshot on Instagram. Be sure to tag at Laura Creates Courses. Not too shabby. Certainly coffee worthy.